Welcome to episode 110 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. Please, someone do something in the NHL. Nothing (laughs) is going on right now, but we are still here to talk some hockey and to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs because there is some news to report. The Leafs and Ilya Samsonov headed to salary arbitration. Yes. Samsonov wants $4.9 million. The Leafs countered at $2.4 million. So we should have a decision on that. And that decision might come before we post this podcast. So stay tuned for that. And some other news. The Leafs hired a couple of assistant coaches. Guy yeah. Boucher and Mike Van Ryan. So we'll give you our take on that as well. And then we're going to get into a little Q&A, a little back and forth between me and Lapore as we go over some, some topics regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I promise you want to stay tuned until the very end for all of that. But before we get into everything, it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How you doing today, man? Very well, Bruno. Happy to be back. It's been way too long uh, back from vacation. The wife and I jumped in a car, drove down to Connecticut, uh, strolled our daughter around Yale University to show where she'd be attending uh, attending school later on in life. Scarfed down some pizza because New Haven, Connecticut is uh, really, really well known for their pies. Bro, you go to these places, they have ovens that are like 100 years old. Like Italian immigrants who came 100 years ago built these ovens with their bare hands and they're still standing. There's a line everywhere. It's a cool experience. But I will say, Bruno, and the Barstool people are going to hate me for this. And by that, I mean Portnoy and all of his fucking uh, his clan. It's overrated, man. It's overrated. It's good. It's it's very good. It's fine. But I, there's, there's this whole feeling that coal fire pizza from new haven connecticut is like this magic thing that is just far superior to any other type of pizza in any other place and it's not the case again it's good and i'm sure some for some people it's their favorite but give me a traditional neapolitan pie or a new york slice man i'll take that over uh over cold fire any day of the week but i'm sure i'm already getting killed in the comments people are already typing furious <laughs> furiously at me but why cold fire is better but I trust you 100% Lapore because for those of you who don't have Michael Lapore on Instagram, every <laughs> time he's on vacation, all I see in your Instagram stories is you eating pizza. Yeah. Like literally every day while you're on vacation. So every if there's day. anyone I'm going to go to for a pizza take, I'm going to go to you Lapore. I trust well, ask you, you on your, this one. I'll ask you your take, Bruno. I'm in Toronto. Where do I get the best pizza? Hey, let's see the comments on this one too. Let's start the debate. Oh, God, that's a good one. I'm not the best person to ask, even okay. though I love my food. I'm more of a pasta guy. Um, I'm in there's some good places in Woodbridge, to be honest with wow. you. And I know it's, it's shocker. Like, of course, Bruno's bringing up Woodbridge, but um, I, I honestly don't have the strongest take for the best pizza in Toronto because yeah. I, I honestly can't pick out one. Like, there's a couple places. There's this place called Badi Ollie's that everybody talks about. That's that's one of the big ones on social media. Yeah, by the but Ollie, I've had yeah. it. It's good. It's honestly not the greatest thing. I've had the uh, their Peniella vodka pizza. Okay, which I thought was pretty good. But um, I mean, honestly, man, there's really I, there's not one that sticks out to me that's head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, what's another one? It's called. I think it's north of Brooklyn, and then there's that's De- another one. That's yeah, right. Descendant. That's like a Detroit style pie. But everyone, comment down below. Let Laporno next time he's in Toronto. Where do I grab a slice of pizza? Yeah, but there's some good spots in Woodbridge. Um, Via Mercanti has pretty good pizza. I assume they do like a wood fire traditional pie, right? Yeah. Those yeah, guys. a lot of yeah. these places in, old in Woodbridge have some really good pizza. There's a place that actually um that closed down recently. God, I used to go there all the time. I can't even remember the name of this place. I don't know why it's escaping me right now, but mm. um they're all they're all like in the exact same area. Yeah. Anyway. They're probably all cousins who own it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, they're all they from got the exact in... same town in Italy. Yeah, or they're you know brothers and sisters who just got in fights and then opened their own place and then let the war begin, right? Exactly. 
Uh-huh. All right, but uh, yeah, share your pizza takes down below. And once I remember the name of this place that closed down, I'll maybe bring it up uh, in the middle <laughs> yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. Um, all right, Lapore, let's get right into the hockey talk. Uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, there's really not much <laughs> going on. Let's talk about the goalie situation here let's with Samsonov. So he's going to salary arbitration. As I said, by the time this podcast goes up, we're probably going to have a ruling from the arbiter in terms of what Samsonov is going to make this upcoming season. Yeah. So as I mentioned off the top, he wants 4.9 million. The Leafs countered at 2.4 million. I mean, I, there's, I don't really have a strong take on this. Like, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. It's going to be yeah. Samsonov and wall starting the season as the one, two punch. Matt Murray's going to be shot into the sun whether it's through a buyout, whether he's on LTIR, whether they have to trade him with a sweetener. That's my whole take on the situation. I'll let you go first on this. How do you feel about the uh, the Ilya Samsonov salary arbitration case? If it ends up in the threes, I don't think any Lee fan can really be upset about that because Sammy showed us this year that he's a goalie and he can give you average play and sometimes give you above average play and like, all goalies in the NHL. Sometimes he gives you below average play, but three million, it's fine. It's doable. And especially with the situation you drew up with Joseph Wall, he's like what, 750 grand for the next two years. So if you have your goalies under four million and they're giving you average play, that's great. And another thing, people comment down below, like what situation they'd like to see the Leafs in. I'll take that situation. I, I in today's hockey world, I will take the situation when it comes to goalies as far as something that is unknown. You have two guys who have pretty high ceilings. I think everyone would say that. And there's a lot of question marks and guys with question marks can play really well. And of course they can play really, they can play poorly, but I think it's a better situation than having a guy at six or 7 million who he can play poorly just as often as uh, a goalie making two or 3 million. And in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. If you have your bad two or three game stretch in that week, you're done. So I'm okay with the three point something million. And I think Samsonov, Samsonov's camp knows that. Like he's not going to get in the fours. I, I'd be pretty surprised. No, I don't think he, there's any chance he's getting over four million. Yeah, especially, well, funny, 4.9. That's what Hill just signed for, right? In Vegas. So, I mean, guy just won a cup, Sammy. So, and again, they're trying to get more and, and they know they're going to get less. I don't know. To be a fly in the wall in these talks, though, right? Because you got to go in there as the Leafs and say why your starting goalie does not (laughs) deserve what he's asking for. And how do you do that in a polite way, a way that will make him and his agent okay? But it seemed throughout the year that Sammy was happy playing in Toronto, always said the right thing, was always complimentary to the situation. And I see it being smooth, and I see it being somewhere in the neighborhood of the threes. First of all, Lapore, I finally remembered the name of the restaurant hey, hey. that had the really good pizza, Forno Elemento. I was going to say, were you you probably texting someone as I was ranting? I it was it was pissing me off that I forgot the name of it because I went to this restaurant so many times. Their pasta was amazing too, but they uh, closed down recently. But anyway, Forno, Forno Elemento, Elemento, okay, in Woodbridge, but. Yeah, when it comes to the Samsonov situation, I don't know how much he thinks he can actually get here. Like, mm. just look at his career so far. This guy has never played more than 44 games in a season. As good as he played last year for the Leafs, he only played 42 games. And it's one year. One year. And he mm. wasn't good in the playoffs. Now, he did have a career-best 919 save percentage and a 233 GAA in the regular season. But then in the playoffs... If you guys remember, even though the Leafs obviously won a series for the first time since 2004, Samsonov was not good in the playoffs. In nine games, an 898 save percentage and a 313 goals against average. I mean, just not very good. So I don't know how much he expects to get from a salary arbitration. I think it's going to land somewhere in the threes. Um, but regardless, as you said, I think you made a really good point when you have Wall making under a million, Samsonov making somewhere in the threes, your goalies combined are going to be making four million. And sure, you could look at what just happened with the Panthers this past season where Bobrovsky was basically terrible for the majority of his contract with Florida and then decided to 
rise from the dead and play out of his mind for three to four weeks. So maybe in some cases it does pay pay off to have a really expense, expensive goalie on your roster who's capable of winning a Vesna trophy. But in most cases, I think it's pretty good business to have both of your goalies signed for under $5 million, let's say. And with the Leafs, it's going to be a shade over $4 million. But the big question now is what the hell is going to happen with Matt Murray because yeah. there's no way this guy can start the season on this roster. There's no. just no way. No. Uh, yeah, no, I think the show's over for Matt in Toronto. And we'll be talking about this one for a while. You see those lists of worst transactions in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs and Clarkson comes up and Commissarek comes up, all these different names. People even point to the Kessel trade saying it was a bad, it was terrible timing and we didn't need to do that. I have no idea what Dubas was thinking with this Murray deal. No idea. And the only way I can kind of wrap my head around it is and before I go on, I want to remind everyone that I'm a fan of Kyle Dubas and I'm grateful for what he did in Toronto. To me, Dubas always gave me the vibe that he thought he was the smartest guy in the room. He thought he was more clever than everyone. And I think that's what the Murray, the Murray project was. He saw this guy. He's like, I can get this guy retained. This guy's got two cups. I can bring him from the dead with my staff and my uh, goalie coaches, and I can make him a legit number one goalie. The Sioux were... connection as well. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Right. But so, uh, yeah, I, I think this that the Murray one's going to be on the list, man. And I'll be so interested to see the, these situations are so, how do I put this? Like socially interesting because like what's going through Murray's head right now and his agent's head. What's going through you, Murray's like... head is he knows the Leafs don't want anything to fucking do exactly. with for this upcoming season. So do you want to be? there do you want to be around it everyone's gonna hate you it's gonna be so awkward and the whole thing with ltir we all know how it works we all know teams play shenanigans he has a long enough injury history that the leaves can put him on ltir slam dunk so if he's granted that opportunity matt you can make your money get healthy you're not going to be a distraction and you go on from there and you see what you can do next year because i can't see Again, how I mentioned him and his agent. What could they possibly be thinking for 24-25? There's no, no way leverage. They're... He's no. either a backup goalie or he's playing in Europe somewhere at this point because he can't stay healthy. And that's the number one knock on this guy. He's talented. And if he stays healthy, I mean, I'm sure he could put up a pretty good season if he plays, let's say, 40 or 50 games. But for the love of God, this guy can't just he can't stay in the lineup. Yeah. Well, I'll, we'll ask this, Bruno. What odds would you give? Let's say we found out tomorrow, Matt Murray will be playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. He will not be traded. Oh, he will God. not be bought out and he will not be on LTIR. Okay. What odds would you give on him playing? I'll say more than half the games and putting up above average numbers to the point where it's like, he will get another contract somewhere else. For him to play more than half the games. Yes. Yeah, so that I, I give it a 10% chance. And play, yeah, exactly. So there's a temper. It's so unlikely. All of us who've watched him last years, it's just so incredibly unlikely. So that's why I can't see him and his agent sitting there thinking, "Oh no, we can do." No, you can't. <laughs> Sorry, boys. the The show is over. You'll get because of your pedigree and because of your history. You'll get a shot somewhere as a backup and try to do something and work your way up. But I'd like to think that common sense will prevail here on the side of that camp and everyone will just be put in a situation where they're happy it's time for a quick break because it's time to unleash the beach beast within you this summer manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with their new beard hedger pro kit they're going past waist deep in the grooming game and diving in head first to your facial hair the beard hedger is a game changer allowing you to shape your beard like a true beach god so this summer let the beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place. And you can do that by visiting manscaped.com and using our exclusive promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Lapore Manscaped just doesn't miss. Every time, Bruno, they don't miss. Everyone, you're at the beach. As Bruno said, you want to be a beast, but you don't want to be an ape. Take care of yourself. Be clean. 
And when you do have clothes on before your significant other finds out if you take care of yourself, they're going to see your face. So take care of that face as well with the beard hedger. Manscaped.com, GFP20, 20% off and free shipping. Go at it, everyone. You know what to do, fellas. Take care of your balls. Take care of your face. You got to be nice and groomed, especially in the summer when it gets really, really hot. So go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our exclusive promo code GFP20. That is GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. It is such a shame that Matt Murray didn't pan out. But Lepore, you know what I think was the worst move of Dubis's tenure as bad as that was? Let's go. It was protecting Justin Hall in the expansion draft. <laughs> and well, I yeah, I will one. stand by this take forever. And listen, I don't even hate Justin Hall, but the whole reasoning that it's so hard to come by big, long, right-handed shot defenseman is just like the, the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. And the NHL is so weird. To see that this team could have protected Jared McCann, who scored 40 goals for the Seattle <laughs> Kraken this year. And now Justin Hall, I mean, God bless him, signs a contract with Detroit for over 10 million. I mean, it's it's just mind-boggling to me, but I I still don't understand why Dubas did that. I mean, as we saw in the playoffs, like Justin Hall could could have easily been replaced by almost anyone in the NHL. I mean, yeah. I just don't understand why he looked at it that way, but that that still sticks out to me as arguably the worst move of his tenure well all, there's also the matter if he could have he could have um exposed kerfoot as a forward if they did it that way and is that if they would have lost kerfoot and inserted jared mccann even that would have been satisfactory but then even then i would keep kerfoot over justin hall at least kerfoot's functional so yeah and what was so stupid is that it, were the Leafs just like 100% assuming that Seattle was going to take Justin Hall? Like they could have taken Travis Dermott in the expansion draft. Mm. So mm. I don't know. I mean, maybe Steve Eiserman and Kyle Dubas just look at Justin Hall like he's, I don't know, prime Chris Pronger or something. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, I just think, I just think they, they didn't have the right vision of the situation and they were just thinking that, okay, because they made that deal with Pittsburgh to get McCann. So I think they their mindset was just, well, we're not re- really losing anything because they gave peanuts for him because Pittsburgh was in a similar situation. And if we just lose him, we lose him. So, okay. We didn't really lose. If you look at what every team loses, if we, well, what they trade for him was like a, a fifth round pick. I think it was a seventh rounder. Uh, yeah, I was going to say a seventh rounder. And then I'm like, no, was it that bad? Yeah. So a seventh, was it a seventh rounder and like Philip Hollander. That okay. prospect is uh is ringing a bell in my head that was involved in that deal. Yeah, so if you did if you did power rankings of what every team lost in the expansion draft and you lost a 7th round pick and a Marley, that's not bad and I just think they couldn't get past that. And they were just Dubas loves his guys. That's another thing too, right? If he can keep his boys, he will. But eh, thanks for making me feel even worse, Bruno, after after the uh, Matt Murray conversation. Yeah, as much as I like Kyle Dubas and the work that he did as Leafs GM, I stand by that take. That was the worst move of his tenure, and I have no idea what the hell he was thinking. But the Matt Murray move is right up there as well. Yeah. As far as goalies go, Bruno, okay, like we talk about how much you'd be willing to give a goalie in today's NHL and an elite goalie, okay? I mean... Don't pay attention to the Leafs' current cap situation, but if you were the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs and absolute five-star prime Carey Price was available and he looked you in the face and said, I want to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, what would you be willing to pay him? That's a great question. Like right now in this current landscape, what would I pay him? Yeah, I'd say this landscape, like don't, oh, we can't fit him in. Like don't think, if you're a GM and you have the room, what, yeah, what would you? Yeah, you can fit him in. It's prime carry price. Like let's say 27, 28-year-old carry price. Yeah. Healthy. Man, oh man. Seeing what that guy has done, seeing how he dragged that Montreal Canadiens <laughs> team to a cup final. I know this goes against everything that I've said, you know, about goalies and managing the cap, but. I'm probably giving him like at least nine to ten million. Whoa, really? you give you. I, I know, I know, million? it sounds insane because I'm totally against this, but we're talking about arguably the best goalie of the last what ten years. Now, 
him and Vasilevsky, let's say, the two best goalies of the last like 10 to 15 years. And he wants to play for my team. And I know that I'm getting him in his prime and he's probably going to just drag my team to the cup final at least once. I'm probably paying him nine or 10 million. And would you do the same thing for Vasi and Shosturkin? Just maybe not Shosturkin because he's he's not quite on that level as good as he is. I mean, yeah, he, accomplishments. Yeah, he, he got the yeah. Rangers to the conference final. Like, listen, I've had this guy on my fantasy teams. I know how great he is. Mm. But I, I don't think I'm doing it for anyone outside of prime Vasilevsky or prime Carey Price. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. The, the number that jumped into my head was I don't know, seven, eight million. I think once you're getting not to enough nine, to get it done, though. Oh, I know it's not going to get it done, but I'm just yeah. saying that's what that's, I'd be willing that's to. That's what you would go to. That's the, the top I, of the range. That I you think would go eight to. and at eight, and I might even have a problem. I, I'd be a little un- uneasy about it at eight okay. million. Yeah. It's hard, man. It's hard. Even Carey Price can have a bad week, and so can another player who... So can another player, like a forward who's making $8 million, a defense who's making $8 million. But I, I think it's more of this. Like, we look at we look at goalies, and we say, okay, save percentage, or we look at a sample of a, a playoff series. And let's say, okay, you play a seven-game series against a team and in those seven games you allow say 25 goals okay so you allow 25 goals and i'm sure management groups and uh advanced stats teams look at this so okay of those 25 goals how many of how many of them were just it didn't matter if you had marty broder patrick waugh tony esposito and vasilevsky all rolled into one they wouldn't have saved it like a cross crease pass or a crazy tip how many of those are in that 25 and then what's the difference in the ones that okay carrie price would have sta- saved and samsonov would have saved if if say carrie price is on like because if you run the numbers people say this the difference is like two goals so maybe carrie price gets you two goals I mean, again, anything can happen, but I think people know where I'm going with this. So there's that, and that might not even be the case, and those two goals might not matter because those two goals might be in games that you won 6-1 or 5-1. Well, it doesn't matter if it was 5-2 or 5-3 or 6-2 or 6-3, you won. So I I think all that math comes in, and that's why I have a hard time with it. And I'd love to see that presented to me of like the percentage... Like, what is the gap? What is the gap in goals between, like, A goalie, B goalie, C goalie in minusing the ones that, okay, well, there's no chance. It it didn't matter, right? No, I 100% agree with you. If you look at the stats and, you know, we would need someone a lot smarter than us to lay this out and actually do the homework on this. I agree, honestly. I don't think there's, like, a huge difference between, you know, Carey Price and Ilya Samsonov over, like, a large playoff sample size let's say but it's just having that elite goalie now that we've seen all these examples of these upper echelon goalies who have taken their teams on deep playoff runs it's having the guy who's talented enough to get really hot over like a month stretch like and can just hot. do unbelievable things for your team whether it's yeah. Carey price andre vasilevsky sergey bobrovsky as we just saw igor shesterkin and you know Teams have won Stanley Cups with goalies who aren't elite, and we just saw it with Darcy Kemper. I mean, even with Matt Murray, for that matter, winning two Cups with Pittsburgh. I mean, he was good, but he wasn't, like, you know, carrying the team on his back by any means, right? He, he so, wasn't he wasn't considered for the the con Smythe really and that that's as yeah. when you're the goal. I think it's just a matter of having that guy who's capable of just going into God mode. And yeah. and listen, like Vasilevsky against the Leafs, like he was shit. He was shit in the first See, round this past year. But then you get Vasilevsky next year, and maybe all of a sudden he has a nine thirty five save percentage, and the Lightning are back in the Cup final, right? Yeah, that's a great the the Vasi thing's a great example, and that's the question: What are you willing to pay to have the guy who's got a chance to be amazing, right? It's tough, and yeah, there's no reason. Tough, but I do agree. It's I, tough to pay that guy a lot. It really I, is. I, I wouldn't argue with anyone though, because if someone said to me, "No, you look at the numbers. There's not that much of a difference." I will go the lower way. And if someone said, "Fuck that," I want prime carry price because he can steal a series. I wouldn't disagree with that either. I think at the end of the day, too, it's one of those things that people are going to create a, an opinion based on the result. 
Like someone would look at Carey Price's run with Montreal a couple of years back and be like, oh, this is how you do it. And then they'll look at the Vasilevsky example and be like, well, you see that it, it doesn't work. And then they'll people will point to Darcy Kemper. Oh, you can do it this way. I just think it can be done multiple ways. Exactly. So there's so many ways that you can win. There's so many different roster constructions. I mean, you could debate this until you're blue in the face, honestly. I mean, you mm-hmm. can make a case for either side. So anyway, let's move on from the goalie chat because I want to sure. quickly touch on the Leafs hiring two new assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. First, let me give my take on this. I don't think it really matters. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I look at the, the National Foot- Football League, for example, I think it really does matter. When you're looking at, you know, your team hiring a new offensive coordinator or oh, defensive yeah. coordinator or head coach, I just think coaches play a bigger role in the NFL in terms of the X's and O's and actually leading to victories no doubt. for their respective teams or even leading to losses for, for that matter. Whereas in the NHL, I'm not going to say you could put me and Lapore behind the Leafs bench and I run the decor and Lapore runs the power play. I think for the most part, you're going to get the same results. I mean, think about the Leafs power play. Like Sheldon Keefe was talking about, I'm so excited about Guy Boucher. He's so passionate about the power play. At the end of the day, you're going to have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander, and either John Klingberg or Morgan Riley running the power play. And if I'm coaching the power play or Lepore is coaching the power play, the Leafs are going to finish top five in the NHL in power play percentage as they do pretty much every year. And in terms of Mike Van Ryan, oh, Mike Van Ryan uh, le- helped lead the Blues to a Stanley Cup running their decor. None of it fucking matters. Yeah, the thing exactly. that matters most is Sheldon Keith being the head coach. And I think he's a really high quality head coach, even though he's only won one playoff series. I, I think he's a really good coach. Uh, so that's my whole take on it. I don't think it really matters for the most part. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, with Van Ryan, it's cool that he cool that he uh, played for the Leafs. And I don't know if you saw on Twitter that video going around of uh, when Lucic hit him through the glass, like one of the oh, biggest yeah. hit, one of the biggest hits in the history of the league. Like you watch it, and you're like, how did Van Ryan not die? Like good, good for him that he uh, skated away from it. Um, as far as Boucher goes, I mixed on it because my initial thought was that here, okay, they're bringing this guy in because everyone knows he's a defensive coach. One three one right one three one three one and let's face it the guys the Leafs uh picked up this offseason suck away from the puck it's okay? a good point they suck away from the puck Domi Bertuzzi not great defensively R- Reeves Klingberg like like all that the, they all get scored on so if that was part of it I'm okay with that where I'm fearful is what I've heard about Boucher, and I think it I think it kind of came out when he was at Tampa that players were just kind of tired of him and he grinds guys really, really hard. And I, I heard from Little Birds that he was hated by the players in Ottawa. That some guys in their exit meetings at the end of the year were like, get me out of here. I don't want to play for this guy. Yeah, he's got a lot of Daryl Sutter vibes to him. Yeah. But the thing hard is he knows not easy. Not not doesn't have great relationships with the players, like very hard on his players. Again, I'm not in these dressing rooms, but that's how it comes across to me, at least. Yeah. And we do look at we mentioned Dubis earlier. okay? and I thought I thought Chris Johnston put it perfectly that what Kyle Dubas created within the Toronto Maple Leafs was an amazing workplace. Everyone was happy all the time. And you look at the moves that true living has done. okay? We can debate all day long about if they're good or bad, but one thing we'll all agree with was that they're different from what we're used to. They are very, very different. I just talked about how bad these guys are away from the puck. Uh, Dubas would never do that. He'd never bring in these guys. And I shouldn't say never, but people know what I mean. And I wonder if part of it is just tra-living, trying to flex his muscle and be like, you know what? I'm going to do this my way. This is my team now. And... Guy Boucher is kind of an example of that, right? I, just I think so, Laporte. A hard because, ass. A hard ass. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, because there's not many moves that True Living could make to really put his stamp on the team. It's these moves on the periphery. And as you said, the four guys he brought in, they all have snot, as mm-hmm. True Living likes to, sn- to say. And so does Guy Boucher, for that matter. So I think that's a good point. Yeah. I, 
Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to create a different culture. I think he walked in right away and these guys all have egos. He came in and just thought this, this is too soft. And when I, when I say that, I don't mean too soft in the way of like the players are soft and they have no heart and they don't try hard, just the environment. So he's like, fuck this. I'm going to bring in a coach that's got some spunk. I'm not going to have three guys that have spunk behind the bench, but can we have someone who will shit on someone once in a while? Right. And like, I don't hate that either. And it's result-based, so we'll, we'll find out what happens. But that's my take on it anyway. I just think Trilliving wanted to put a stamp on the team and change the attitude of the of the workplace, as I said. No, that's clearly what he's done because he can't move John Tavares. He's not going to trade Mitch Marner. He's made it very clear that they are doing everything in their power to re-sign Austin Matthews. The one wild card still appears to be William Nylander, but it, it really does seem like the entire core four is going to be brought back. So I do agree with that point where he brings in Domi and Bertuzzi, who are kind of assholes on the ice. He brings in Ryan Reeves, who's considered the toughest guy in the NHL. He brings in John Klingberg, who by no means is difficult to play against and has snot, but he's going to do some magical shit with the puck, and he's probably going to be running the power play at some point. And then Guy Boucher, Daryl Sutter vibes across the board with this guy. His players don't really seem to like him. He wears you out. The more he's around, it's like, you know, he's had success in all the stops he's been at, whether it's been Tampa and Ottawa. True. And yeah. even, you know, places that he's been outside of the National Hockey League. But it seems no matter where he is, it just has an expiry date with that guy. So it'll yeah, be interesting to see how all that plays out. Maybe as an assistant coach, it'll be it'll be a little lighter. But speaking of the current Leafs roster, did you see Dom Decision's article? on goal differential how he sees the current rosters compared to last year i did not fuck he had the least i think it was dom as well did like the points how he has the current points and he had the least at like 104 points um which is initially shocking because like well they had 111 last year 115 year before but i think like 105 was the most he gave anyone but for the goal differential he had the leafs at like third worst in the league Jesus, as far as that's got to be Klingberg just completely skewing that model. You know what it was? I think he actually put in his notes that it's he's like Reeves is worth minus 10 over the course oh, of a God. season. So I think so make what you want of that. It's like, wow, that's very situational. Like how much he's on the ice. What's the timing of the goals? And if that is the case that he's, he's going to cost you 10 goals. But yeah, he had the Leafs at the third worst goal differential compared to the previous roster. He had the Bruins worse. They were like minus 30 or 40. Goal differential. Yeah, the Bruins, that makes sense because they yeah, had just 100%. an outrageous goal differential last season. And if Bergeron and Krejci aren't coming back and they decide to retire, then see you later, Boston. That team is, they're not going to be terrible, but I think they're probably going to miss the playoffs if Bergeron ooh, or Krejci ooh, are, are both gone. Oh, it'd be interesting to know in, like, in that model, like what is Bergeron worth? He's got to be one of the most valuable He's got to be worth a league. shit ton. Holy fuck. What a guy. What a guy. All right, Lapore, you want to get into uh, our little back and forth Q&A? Yeah, excited. Uh, we're just going to throw random scenarios at each other regarding this Leafs team for yeah. the upcoming season and even looking looking ahead years down the line. Do you want to start things off for us? Okay, I'm starting things off. Okay. This wasn't planned, people. So we're just going to have some fun with this. We we do not know what the, the questions are that are going to get thrown at us. But I will start with, um, okay, you mentioned uh, how Trilliving is pretty handcuffed with regard to the possible deals he can make. But you brought up my boy, Willie Styles, we, Willie, Nylander, okay? I'm not going to ask you about this season, 23-24, but I will ask you, in 24-25, will William Nylander be a Toronto Maple Leaf? Laporte, he will be a Toronto Maple Leaf because yeah. I want him to be a Toronto yeah, Maple Leaf, and I don't do, give Bruno. a shit about <laughs> anything else. All right? all right, do everything in your power, Mister Brad for living to get William Nylander locked up long term. Now, when I think about this logically, I'm a little more scared because the more this drags out with Nylander, I I've voiced my concerns on previous shows. And I think Matthews is going to set the precedent here in terms of what Nylander is going to be asking for. And who knows, maybe the Leafs are going to have to trade him. But I'm going to say that it's going to work out 
and that Nylander will be here in 24-25 and beyond. Okay. Eight years? Yeah. They're going to sign oh. Nylander to an eight-year deal. Fuck it. Fucking yeah. Eight years, William Nylander. Let's go. I, I love him so much, and I think yeah, he's so too. vital to this team yeah. that I just think they, they got to do everything in their power to sign him. And, you know, I, I look at David – or not David Krejci, David Pasternak, and I know it's probably not going to be the same scenario where the guy plays until March and he ends up scoring 60 goals, and then they sign him to the extension. I don't know if the same thing is going to play out with Nylander. I mean, that could get a little dicey if if this goes till March and Nylander's got like 90 plus points and having an even better season than last year, mm-hmm. then we might all have to start to cry and just accept that he's not going to be back. But uh, I want to stay positive on this one, Lepore. Maybe this is just more of like a vibes positivity thing, but Nylander's going to be here. Yeah. Could that have worked out any bad, better for Pasta? A 60 goal year? Unreal. And you're negotiating? Oh my God. Do you think, I mean, you could say he's he's underpaid even to a certain degree based on his do you, production. Do you think if he hits UFA, he's the highest paid player in the league? Pasternak? If he would hit UFA, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he quite eclipses Nathan McKinnon, but he probably gets maybe a little bit more on the open market. I think, I think people tend to overreact like, oh, if this guy hit the open market, he would have got another 3 yeah. million AAV on top of what he's getting. I, I think... I don't want to go that far, but I think maybe he touches 12 potentially from some mm-hmm. team. I don't think he eclipses McDavid or uh, or McKinnon, though. Okay. All right, Lepore, I have one for you. Uh, right. My brain was turning because of the, um, the Klingberg situation and the defense core. 20 games into the season, <laughs> who will be running the Leafs' first power play unit? Will it be Morgan Riley? or John Klingberg. And the reason I say 20 games in is because I think the season is going to start with Riley on that top power play unit, just, you know, based on Morgan Riley being the longest tenured Leaf. The Leafs have had a top three power play the last couple of years. He was great in the playoffs. But let's say 20 games in, who's going to be running the Leafs PP1? I think it has to be Morgan Riley. And I hate to go with this. I think I, I hate to go with the safe answer. But this was the number two power play in the league last year with Morgan Riley. To think that he's just going to get pushed aside as the high guy, I think that's kind of a, a hot take. And on that topic, though, I'll be interested to see because the Leafs added three legit power play players this offseason. So who knows, man? Like we used to go super, we were super top heavy with the big five. And then the second power play was hilariously bad. And they would play that last 30 seconds. And we all knew the power play was over when those guys jumped over the boards. But with these guys, Klingberg, Domi, and Bertuzzi, that's not a bad, those aren't bad guys to have on your second unit. And then who knows if they mix it up. So it's like, I don't know, Klingberg, Domi, Tavares, Matt, like who knows? You make any, you make any combination you want, especially now how there's no real set positions. Um, guys are just playing the half wall or in the bumper or whatever, but I have a hard time imagining a situation where Morgan Riley is not on power play one. That's fair. I really want to say that Klingberg is going to take over. I just, I don't know. I have this gut feeling that he's going to take over, but I, I, I think they're going to stick with Riley as well. I mean, they've had one of the best power plays in the league the last couple of seasons and even looking at the numbers here right in front of me. So last year they had the number two power play. And then people forget in 2021, 22, they had the number one power play in the NHL. It wasn't the Oilers. It was the Leafs. So they've had the number two power play last year and the number one power play the year before. That's pretty, pretty insane. Even the Canadian division year, it must've been like top three or something. Do I have that on my list as well? No, I don't have that right in front of me, but I, I think they were top three that year as well. So that they mean, they, their power play has been so good. Having a guy on the point who can't take a slap shot or a one-timer to save his life and to still have one of the best power plays in the league, pretty impressive to uh, Morgan Riley and co. Yeah, wait, we'll have to look that up. Okay, so my turn. Oof. Let's go. Let's see if we can dance around this one. Okay. In tw- no, I'll, I'll word it this way. I'll word it this way. Will Matt Murray play another game for the Toronto Maple Leafs? 
Absolutely not. Okay, well, you're, you're going what you want here, Bruno? Or no, there's <laughs> no fucking way this guy's playing another game for the Leafs because okay. I think they are very confident in their plan. I think they have a lot of options. They know they have a lot of options. I think they, you know, they're 99.9% sure they're going into the season with Samsonov and Wall as a tandem. And I think they either put him on LTIR, which seems honestly pretty likely at this point, as you pointed out, his injury history. And it seems like he's just going <laughs> to report to camp injured. Like the, this guy's probably going to get sent to Robida Island. And then worst case scenario, he gets bought out or they trade him. And it's, I don't think they would have to necessarily attach like a first round pick. I don't think it would get to that point, but you know, maybe a, God, I hope they don't have to attach a second round pick either. He's but... a, the, the thing is, though, he's owed a lot of dough. He's owed yeah. a lot of cash. So for someone, right. to, someone to take on, you would say eight million. For someone to take that on, you got to give me something like really yeah. good. I I just think the Leafs are confident that they have a solution to this problem, and I, so I'm going to say there's no way, no way he's on the Leafs roster. Next zero percent chance. Zero. I'm going to say zero. I know it okay. might sound a little crazy, but I'm going zero. Okay, Mister Optimism. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic here. He's fucking starting opening night where the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is totally going to backfire. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right, Lapore, I I have one for you. All right. Uh, so this is a pretty a big topic right now when it comes to Austin Matthews. Is he going to get on this next contract? Because there's been a specific number that's been pointed out here by various insiders. Is he going to get? Over or under $13.5 million on this next ex- extension? I will say he gets... Well, I'll say he gets under. If I, I had to guess Austin Matthews' contract, I would say we go four years. At, it's going to be a weird number. It's going to be like... They're going to do that number thing again. He's going to be like 13.034 or like 134 or something like that. But I say it's a four-year deal, and I say it's a smidge over thirteen million. I don't think it gets to the thirteen point five, um, and that could possibly be wishful thinking because maybe that would come up if the eight-year negotiation was happening. So it's okay. Well, now we got to talk. Like now that number is going to go up. You're buying more UFA years, but knowing where. Matthews is at in terms of the term he wants. I'd find it hard to believe. And you, and you said over 13.5 million. So for for him, for like, like McKinnon, and no one thinks McKinnon's better than McDavid. I mean, it's just the timing, and he got more than he got more than McDavid, but he got a hundred grand more than McDavid. For someone to come in and be way more than <laughs> McDavid and McKinnon, I don't I don't know if I see that. And as I touched on earlier. Trill Living is trying to flex his muscle and make changes. And with the previous regime, the players, and when I say the players, I mean the elite players, got whatever the fuck they wanted. Easy. Easy peasy. I've said a million times on this show, what did they give up? What were, did a negotiation even take place? Or did they just submit paperwork and, paperwork and they printed it out and they signed a deal? I don't know. But... I have a hard time believing that Trilliving, based on what he's shown us so far, is just going to cave to a player. Like, here we go again. He's going to get a, a four-year deal at like $13.75 million Just And then that's, that fucks us, right? The, the, the NHL is a total joke with regard to the cap. And I'm sure Trilliving knows that. So it'd be a terrible move. It'd be a terrible look. And he's new. He's new. So he's not going to want, he's not gonna want uh, that appearance. So I say no. I say a, I say a smidge over thirteen million. Okay, because the way that I'm looking at it, I I have this feeling, Lapore, and it has not gone away. I am so convinced, and I could be totally wrong. I'm so convinced that Matthews is going to sign a three year deal and just piss three. us all off. I, I just like feel low. like it's headed towards that. I don't think he's going to sign four or five years. I think it's going to be a stupid three year deal for something in the thirteens. Honestly, probably 13.5, as has been reported by various insiders. I think it's going to be like a three-year deal for 13.5-ish million, and we're all going to be pissed off. I'll be so embarrassed. 
I, I will, if he comes in with a three-year deal, and here I just had a four-year deal, but if he comes in with a three-year deal, I legit say, you're not getting a raise. Even a couple hundred grand, just like to whatever the adjustment is on the cap. You're not getting more than that. And uh, we can run the numbers. What he signed for with the last deal based on percentage of the cap, the cap's barely, what's it, four or five million it's gone up. So percentage-wise, what you're going to get, you're going to get way more now. Um, Bruno, Bruno, I, people always make, people always make the joke as Leafs fans of like, man, if they did this, I would turn my back forever. I would never turn my back on my boys, but I would be, that would probably be the maddest I'd ever be as a Leaf fan. If we just cave to a player, like to that extent, to, and especially have we not learned anything? If it gets I know there, this, man. this shit just happened with these last wave of contracts. And I don't think the last wave was that egregious, but it was the same line of thinking. The cap's going up. Yeah. This is all going to be fine. A once in a generation thing happened with COVID. That, yeah. So I totally get it. But are we really going to go down the same road? And again, we've had this conversation. Why is every star across this league take an eight-year deal at a reasonable number except Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and co? Why yeah. is it just the Leafs? So I yeah. swear to God, Lapore, if he signs a three-year deal, oh, fuck. we're doing an emergency podcast and we're gonna freak the fuck out. Yeah, I'm, I'm selling, I'm selling everything Matthews I own if if, if that happens. Because then there's the thing again, we've talked about it before that then you, you're not really trying to win here, and no, you, or or you don't really want to be. You don't give here. a fuck about winning at that point if you sign a three-year deal and you're just trying to maximize your earnings. Like holy shit, like you're playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, man. You could be playing for some shit organization. Who doesn't care about you? You could be playing for a fan base who doesn't give a shit about you. And I don't know where Matthew's priorities are at, or Nylander or Marner for that matter. I might they, they might come out and say they want to win cups and you know have a have a great time and 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 build this up with with the rest of the team and and be this winning team for years to come. But maybe they don't really give a shit about any of that and they just want to make money. We don't know. So we're gonna we're and it's gonna be clear going to be very clear based on this next deal he signs. And, and I'm scared, Lepore, because I think Nylander is waiting for this to happen. And then the Nylander camp is going to be like, listen, my client just scored 40 goals last year, the same as Austin Matthews. They both scored 40 goals. My client had an 87-point season. My client is a hell of a player, arguably your best playoff performer. Why the fuck should I settle for, I don't know, $9 million when you just gave fucking Austin Matthews 13 point whatever million? Yeah. Is it just me? You mentioned COVID and everyone was, yeah, the captain go up during COVID. So it affected contracts and contracts look probably worse than they should be based on the cap not going up. But I, I feel even beyond the actual numbers of it, COVID just kind of changed the climate of what stars were getting. Because if you look pre-COVID, really, okay. Doughty got 11. Carlson got 11 and a half. Eichel got 10. McDavid got 12 and a half. Matthews got the 11.65. Guys were getting like over 10. Guys were getting big, big money. And then it, and again, it happened because of the cap not going up that guys weren't getting those deals. But at the same time, I also think it kind of changed the culture of a big deal, which makes it tough on the guys or the, the teams who have these guys already making that money. Because now what do you do? Someone pointed out to me the other day, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Think, think of Marner. Here you have Mitch Marner, okay? This guy was a back-to-back first-team All-Star. Nominated for the Selkie as a winger, okay? He signed his deal six years ago, or said when it will be done, it will be six years old, for $11 million. What could he really and truly ask for as far as a raise goes? Yeah, like I don't think Marner the highest paid player in the league. Like, that's, that's my fucking that, crazy. That's my point. And, and but that's the point I'm trying to make with regard. Like if someone said, okay, there's going to be a star player who's going to sign a contract. And then six years later, he's going to have two first team all-stars, a Selkie nomination. Like people are talking, okay, the team Canada thing, whatever. And, oh, he's like, what kind of raise should he get? You think, well, he's going to get a big raise. And I'm not, I'm not picking on Marner. I'm just saying, I think this is a situation players are in and teams are in. Because what what can he really ask for compared to other guys? Like like McKinnon just signed 12-6. He can't ask for more than McKinnon. And like you think McKinnon's camp is just a bunch of idiots and didn't know that the cap was going up? 
McKinnon was well aware that the cap over the next five to eight years was going to go up and he still signed a deal for 12, six. So why can't Matthews do the same? Like McKinnon clearly cares about winning Stanley cups. He's, he's talked about how, you know, Sidney Crosby was his hero growing up Two Nova Scotia boys. He wants to win cups like Sid. He finally wins a cup. And then he signs an eight year deal for 12, six. But Matthews is out here asking for the sun, the moon, and the stars and has one playoff series win is coming off a down season. Listen, I love Austin Matthews. I love him. He's arguably the greatest leaf ever, honestly, even though he hasn't won shit besides his individual awards. Not but come on, man. It gets to a point and it's like you're the only star player asking for this. Unless he's just he's on like this, I'm gonna change the way that players are paid in this league. Unless that's his mentality, like I'm going to be a trailblazer and be the the guy that that finally gets us paid around here and gets us paid like some of the guys in these other sports. When you look at baseball, basketball, football, I don't know, man. I just think it gets to a point where it's like, what are you doing here? Yeah, to be a fly on the wall. Anyway, do you have any any more to throw at me, Lapore? Uh, well, I went first, right? So I we have to finish with you. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, I asked you. We can do that. I asked you that question about Wee Willie Nylander if in uh, 24 or 25, if he'll be playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you answered yes. So I'm going to ask you a similar question. In 24, 25, will Sheldon Keith be the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Bruno. I know. I'm saying I yes to everything because I love it. listen, the Leafs are going to get 110 points this season. They're going to be back in the playoffs. I think the Leafs are going to win the Atlantic division based on how it looks right now, especially with Boston potentially losing their top two centermen. Tampa has taken another step back. I mean, the Panthers, the Panthers are a good team, but I think the Leafs are going to have more points in them in the regular season. So Keith's going to win the division. They're going to make the playoffs. They're finally going to play, let's say, a lesser opponent because they're going to play a wild card team in the first round, you would think. So they probably win another playoff series. And then who the hell knows what happens after that. But I think that buys him at least one more season as head coach. Yeah, I'm scared shitless of the scenario you just said with them winning the division. Because you see how, I mean, the standings are projected and teams on their way up. I do not want anything to fucking do with Ottawa or Buffalo. If one of them sneaks in. Yeah, that, that would be scary. Yeah, that's that. It's like that lose lose situation where you're supposed to win, but you're playing this team with nothing to lose and they are a good team and they have enough firepower to beat you and they can get hot and you just know it'll be a series, whether it's Buffalo or Ottawa, where and I really do believe in this and the Montreal series is, is an example. A big reason why that happened. And when I say that happened, the heavy favorite lost was because it was, there's something in me that was like, it's because it was Toronto, Montreal. It made it bigger. The, the, it, there was a huge impact on it. Had it been those, that that exact situation, team Toronto Maple Leafs with that many points versus team Montreal Canadiens, but instead of the Montreal Canadiens, it was the Detroit Red Wings. Toronto, would, it, it wouldn't have been a thing. But because it was Montreal, it's a thing, and it just raises the intensity. It raises that team up. And that's what I fear from playing in Ottawa or Buffalo in the first round, but make your excuses now, Leafs fans. Yeah, that's that's a scary thought to play like one of those up-and-coming teams in yeah. the playoffs and possibly getting clipped by them because they're going to be playing with house money against this Leaf team that has all this pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to what Ryan O'Reilly said and how the pressure of the Toronto market kind of steered him away from here. That's loser. why he wanted to go play in obscurity in Nashville. That's a story for a different podcast. But Lepore, I'm going to throw one more at you before we wrap this up. And we kind of have talked about this on a previous show. But Tyler Bertuzzi, do you think he will be with the Leafs more than one season? Because I think this is like, this is is an underrated storyline right now. But I think he's going to have a really big year. And then you have Mm -hmm. the whole core four, what's happening with Nylander. So will Bertuzzi be a Leaf more than one season? If I get to bed, I would say no. Um, I do have the take. Yeah, I know it sucks, but I do have the take here. And funny how I was just talking about the salary cap. The whole idea of losing players for nothing. 
Okay. I don't want to say that it's completely irrelevant. It doesn't matter. But okay, you, you lose a player for nothing. You may be able to replace him in free agency or with small pieces. And then does that make your team better? Kind of like we were talking about before. So if you ask Lee fans right now, okay. How would you feel if we lost William Nylander for nothing at the end of the year? He plays the year out and just walks. They'd be up in arms. What a fucking joke. We should have got something for him. Look what other guys, other teams were getting for their studs. Our management group doesn't know, doesn't know what they're doing. And we say this, okay. And you could ask that same question to fans about Tyler Bertuzzi. And people would, and people would be like, yeah, you know, that kind of is what it is. And it's like, why are we so okay with it for Bertuzzi, but not Nylander? The quick answer is, well, Nylander's a better player. And he's got, and he has a higher ceiling. But then again, with regard to the cap, I would turn it around and say, okay, well, Bertuzzi is going to demand less than Nylander, I would think. And maybe he's not the player Nylander is, but now you have more money to spread around the team. Okay. So I think if I had to bet, I think he's gone, but then I think the Nylander situation is pretty dependent on it. Like, especially, especially if Willie, if, if uh, Willie, if they both have really good years, I'll put it that way. I mean, I don't know, but we're in this situation, Bruno. And again, the fucking salary cap. Okay. The fucking salary cap fans and teams are in a situation where you are rooting against your players on a contract year. It's fucking like our biggest nightmare is Austin Matthews holding out for a bit and be on pace for like 65 goals at the midpoint of this. That's our biggest fear. Like that's ridiculous. Like so, we the NHL of horror, the one league where you're not allowed to have too many good players. Oh my god! I told my friend the other day, Senators fan. I said, you know what your biggest nightmare is right now? That Jake Sanderson puts up 70, 80 points and gets nominated for a for a Norris. He yeah, looked at me like, yeah, for, he's, for he's, gonna, he's gonna want eleven million or something. <laughs> you got to trade someone. You can't yeah, and afford it everybody. You. And then it's the whole thing. Like, and I was thinking about when I mentioned Dom's article earlier on. And how, okay, like based on last year, goal differential, this and that, it's like, hey, what teams got better? How can you get better? How can you get better? You can't. Or you get more value in the bottom of your lineup. It's like, okay, like we're nickel and diming here, right? So like th- this is the situation we're in. It's like with Bertuzzi. Someone asked me, okay, what's the most ideal situation for Bertuzzi? I'd be like 25 goals, 50, 60 points. Cause then maybe we can extend him and like keep his number down. Like if the yeah, guy puts if he up, scores 35 and oh, 75 points, then we're fucked. We're fucked. So it's like, okay. And then, oh, as the team, should we not put him with good players? Cause then he's going to light it up. Yeah, let's just so bury st- him on the third line. Yeah. It's so stupid, man. It's, and then the like, people always talk about agents and then they, they flip out when, you know, their guy's not on the power play or not getting minutes. No shit. It's all that matters. And the teams like, and I, and I'd love to hear those conversations. Like, did, would you guess? Do you think those conversations happen, or they just play it out? Like in the Leafs boardroom, are they like, okay, how do we keep Willie's numbers a little? Yeah, bit? I think they absolutely talk about that. I there don't know if go. they have like deep conversations about this stuff, but I think it comes up, like sort of like asset management. We can't like Matthew Nyes. Like, are they just gonna say, "Hey, Matthew Nyes, just go out and score thirty-five this year and oh, sixty-five fuck. points"? And great, and that's another nightmare for the Leafs. Great, it's a good problem to have, but it's also a nightmare. It's a yeah. double-edged sword, I guess. Right? Like, it's such a such a loser league, man. It's, it's such a loser league. It's uh, yeah, it's it's the best sport in the world and the biggest joke of a league. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, Lapore, anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap this thing up? No, I thought that was pretty fun. I think we should do stuff like that more often. And uh, everyone, the things we talked about, comment down below what your thoughts are on the questions. If you think Bruno and I were right, we're wrong. If we're dummies, if we're brilliant, let us know in the comments. Yeah, and if you have any questions, feel free to yeah. to write those down in the comments section and maybe we'll answer them on the next episode because... Uh, at this rate, there's really not anything <laughs> happening in, in hockey right now because everyone in hockey is at a golf course. They're fishing. They're at the cottage. None of them are doing anything right now. So there's not yeah. too much to talk about, but uh, give us your questions. And like I said, maybe we'll discuss them on the next episode. But that is going to do it for episode 110 
of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. If you are a new listener or a longtime listener, it would be a big-time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you really like this show and maybe you've been following us for a long time, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're not subscribed, leave a comment down below, ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So until next time, continue enjoying your summer, everybody. Uh, We will stay on top of the news in Leafland, and we will chat with you very, very soon. Thanks, everyone. Cause I'm a mac and I say yo, yo.